We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hope you're doing well. I am Dan Day, and this is a Miami Monday. Going to try to make this show uniquely Miami on a Monday throughout the next hour. Might have some Miami-themed music. You can even go to my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio, and tell me what makes you so Miami, and I might read it out later on in the show. What makes me so Miami? I'll tell you right now. I'm so Miami that to this day, the greatest day in my life was getting a Dan Marino football Christmas when I was five years old. Once again, let me know what makes you so Miami by going to at Dan Day Radio on Twitter. Right now, though, let's jump into some headlines. After two games in, the Dolphins are off to historically the worst start in NFL history, losing yesterday to the Patriots 43-0. Sunday, they play the Cowboys at 1. Both Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger are expected to miss a large part of the season due to injury. Tonight, the Browns and the Jets square off on Monday Night Football. The Marlins open a three-game series in Arizona, first pitch 940 this evening. The Canes got their first win of the season this past weekend, 63-0 over Bethune-Cookman. They play again Saturday, 4 p.m. against Central Michigan. Justice Winslow says he wants to play point guard for the Heat next season. Miami's first game is October 23rd against Memphis. The Florida Panthers have kicked off preseason and are leading Nashville 3-1 at the second intermission. Spain has won the FIBA World Cup, while Team USA finished in a record-low seventh place. And now... Let's take a step into the day spa. Ah. A drunken scooter rider in Denver recently struck a traffic cop, then crashed into a parked car. He was arrested for DUI. Don't you love happy endings? Dream job alert! Los Angeles' Golden Road Brewery is looking for someone to get paid to drink beer and watch Rams football games. If you want to apply like I did, all you have to do, go to my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio, for details. And finally, a solid gold toilet nicknamed America has been stolen from Winston Churchill's ancestral home. Yeah, that's right. Don't crap on the USA. Happy endings for everyone. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for partly cloudy skies with temperatures in the low 80s. For the best poker promotions in South Florida, visit Hylia Park Poker Room. Come win your share of $350,000 in monthly high-hand giveaways. That's more than $10,000 a day in high hands. Why play anywhere else? Visit HyliaPark.com for more info. It is a Miami Monday. You get your morning started right here in the 305. Listening to Joe Rose. He was on the Dolphins. Earlier today, he was talking with the Canes head coach, Manny Diaz. What they discussed? Well, some personnel issues. They also talked about getting the running game going. The team's biggest improvement this past week, recruiting and committing to the U.
Coach Diaz joins us right now. Coach, good morning. How are you? Doing great. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great, Coach. And I'll tell you one thing about 63 nothing. It's good to play everybody, isn't it, for all the guys that do all the work and don't get to do it. Now, all of a sudden, they get a chance to play and even get a touchdown like Mr. Jimmy Murphy, man. Uh, what a nice story. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Murphy's awesome. But make no mistake, he he plays the entire game on special teams. And, and he's a guy that if, if, if you're ever wondering, what should I watch when – we're getting ready to kick off, and we're getting ready to punt. Um, put your eyes on Jimmy Murphy because he, he is a dude. Um, <laughs> the, fact that, the, the fact that he went in there and scored a touchdown at the end is not—that's not a surprise to us. But but I mean, he, you know, he downed a punt at the one yard line. I think in the first quarter of the game, and and has just been—I mean, he is an inspiration to everybody on our, on our football team, and has respected the entire locker room. And I think that's why you saw the sideline respond the way he did when he got in the end zone. So so like when he's on the practice, when he's practicing, like you're on your offense, and he's running on the defense. You like put him at linebacker or something or uh, a blitzing aggressive guy. How do you use Jimmy Murphy during the week? Well, in his time here, he's been all kinds of things. I mean, he's played safety force, but no, he plays he plays running back, and and uh, and that's what he was growing up. He's got some uh, running instincts, and but the thing is, he goes a million miles an hour. You know, he is a full speed guy all the time. Gives the team everything he has, and it's just you can't help but respect that, right? And if you want to build a, a, a culture, you know, predicated on on hard work and, and toughness. Look at this guy, you know, and and uh, and that's why he actually earned, you know, you know, he was a, he was a season-ending captain on the team a year ago. He's just a guy that, that voted by the teammates, so that's that's shows the amount of respect they have for him. Coach, I know the game is out of hand. The score is a little out of hand at the time when he scored. He did get a 15-yard penalty. Did you have to kind of take yourself back for a second and be disciplinarian coach at least for one second and say you can't do that but still smile at the same time? He's a hard guy to be mad at. You know, it's like, kind of like when your kid does something wrong, you have to pretend to be mad at him. But, you know, I mean, he, he paid he paid his punishment for, for the penalty like all of our guys do. But I think uh, knowing him, he, he did it with a, a smile on his face and – and um, and you know, now we go back to work, and all all sins are forgiven. All right, let's uh, let's jump into some of the stuff. Mark, first of all, Mark Pope, who's been a little quiet through the first couple of games, has three catches for nine two yards. He hurts his foot. First of all, is he going to be okay? And and second of all. Does he start to fit in? Does this maybe get him going where there's some things you think you can do as you get ready to jump into the schedule? Yeah, the foot deal, we'll find out a little more as, as the week goes on. Um, hopefully not too bad, but he is absolutely th – this has been – the day, the game that we've kind of been waiting on, and is a guy that's been getting better and better, and and you see his ability, and you know we had some things in the first couple of games where it just didn't sort of happen with him, you know, and that's all that's all part of it, you know, and I thought Dan Enos did a great job on that first play of the second series of isolating him one on one on a post, and and then we kind of hit him on a post corner, and again where he just just an outstanding route, and then even the play got hurt on on the wide receiver sweep where he's just he just looks so dynamic with the ball, so. You know, Mark is learning. Taylor Stubblefield, our wide receivers coach, has done a great job, you know, working with him one-on-one. -on -one and, and, um, and, you know, and again, these guys, they come in, and he's, he's, he's still got a lot of ball ahead of him. And it's just fun to see a guy like that finally get in the game and, and, and to start to have some success and see the game start to come to him. And, and hopefully that's just a sign of things to come. Coach, I know that we uh, kind of know about it, but we saw it a little bit more this weekend. It's really just about getting Jeff Thomas and Mike Harley a ball in some space, right? Because once they do, they're really hard to stop both those guys. They are. I mean, there's no doubt. And um, and that's the neat thing is that we've got a, we have a bunch of ways that we can do it. And not just them. 
you know, I mean, there's a bunch of other guys as well uh, that, that we see. You know, you saw, you know, T. Wiggins, you know, with, with an explosive play, same thing on a, on a sweep. And but you know, it all starts from the run game, and I think that's the great thing about the way this thing is all is all set up. And and though, you know, Bethune was going to try to take away a lot of the, the, the sort of the bubble screens and the RPOs, and that gets the running game going. And all of a sudden, you got you know, DJ Dallas, who, who again can he can be the hammer when he needs to be the hammer, and and then you know all of a sudden he still has the you know, sort of the, the the power and the speed to go all the way when when that's needed. So as we've known, we, we you know we're Miami. We should have a lot of weapons. You know, and it's about getting those guys the ball. And I and and the, and the fun part that is really the continued development of the offensive line because Jaron, you know, I mean, and, and when, even when Nikosi went in, those guys they're just sitting there and they're able to just you know you know set their feet and, and pick out their targets and, and and distribute the ball. So it's all it's all it's all really starting to work together. Talk about that group, by the way. You make that little switch with a couple of guys. And it's just kind of clicked. It just looks a lot better. We were kind of concerned here a couple of weeks ago. It might be the biggest improvement on this team with all these young guys playing, too. Again, we felt like there was a little bit of understandable overreaction to the way it looked in week one. Right? Well, that's what we do, um, Coach. I yes. mean, that's our business well, right yeah. there. Come really? On, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> Because I don't self be true, right? That's above all things. So, but you know, look, and you're still starting two true freshmen. It's you know everything is not exactly right. I, I think it'd be over simple to to say, hey, just this one personnel switch made a difference. Uh, we expected everyone to get better, no no matter what, between week one and week two, and and they have, you know. And I think just it's that the idea of just getting in the game and and oh, okay, I understand what we're doing now and, and how we're setting on this and, and what this means and what that means and 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 now the fun part is now to start to see some confidence. You know, confidence, and you're starting to see some guys finish some blocks, and that's and then look, there's still only three weeks into this deal. I mean, there's a lot of room for growth and a lot of room for improvement, and and that's me fun to watch all these guys continue to grow together. You know, really form that chemistry and that bond to to maybe hopefully something that we thought would be a weakness at the, at the beginning of the year, or not we thought, but it was thought to be a weakness, can really be a strength by the end. Coach uh, Bubba Bolden, uh, are you still waiting? I know he's practicing with you, but is he getting any closer to eligibility being back for Bubba, you to play him? Bubba will be back for the Virginia Tech game. We found that out, I think, the day before we went to North Carolina. So he, that's a, that's a, he becomes eligible, and, and all things are, are good to go uh, for the, the game against Virginia Tech. Wow. So this is his last game he'll miss. All right, and uh, you've already seen pretty good idea what he can do. I know everybody's been raving about him privately. Uh, do you see the goods from from where he's been? Yeah, he's a very talented guy. It's been good. He's actually been able to chance to learn, you know, sort of our system, and and you know, we're kind of been able to get him ready, sort of behind closed doors. Um, we obviously need depth in our secondary. We're just we're very thin at, at um, you know at safety. We're we're, we're you know, we're thin a corner and just to get another guy in there. And, and, and it's not even just in terms of playing in the, you know, on defense. It's just, you, you can see it in a game like the one we had this past Saturday. You just, you know, special teams. I mean, just the reps. You know, there's just only so many guys that, that, that you can put into a game. So to have a guy above his, you know, talent and, and, and a guy that's been in some games will really help us out as we get into the, the conference schedule. Coach, do you stay in Bubba Bax's head a little bit and, and just keep talking to him, even if it's a miss here or a miss there, just to kind of keep him grounded? Because I know it could be hard for a kicker out there who does miss a couple here and there, and he's obviously in the news when he does miss them. Hey, that, that all comes with the position, right? Mm-hmm. That all comes with it. You know, and so you, what do you do? You go back into practice. you got to figure out why it's happening. you got to try and improve it and like I said it's no different than if a quarterback misses a throw or a lineman misses a block or a DB misses a coverage the difference is you just don't get as many at bats as those guys do right so if an offensive line misses a block you may have it may be second down to 12 but you have you know 60 more downs to get it right you know a kicker you get you know as it turns out with Google he had one shot you know so 
that's all a part of it. it it's and, and and you're going to be judged on it. You have that that comes with the territory. We got to get back into practice. You got to continue to continue continue to try and create competition in practice. Like you again, no different than you would for any other position. But uh, but from the inside, you got to have you got to have support, and you guys same thing. You have support. All we want is improvement, and then make sure we're competing for our job every day. And uh, and then you got to play. You got to go out there and 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 cut it loose on Saturday, Coach. Overall, through the first three games, are you happy with your pass rush up front? We should have had more on Saturday. I thought we got some. We let some sacks get away, and 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 I I think what showed on Saturday watching the film was the communal effort. And what I mean is, is that doesn't mean that guys aren't having good downs rushing the passer. Uh, but what could happen is one guy could sort of rush inside of a block and give the quarterback an escape route. So one guy may have may have a good down going and, and, and needs to go finish on the quarterback. And because maybe another guy not being as, you know really where he should be, the quarterback's able to escape. And what becomes a throwaway, what, what is it should have been a sack, becomes a throwaway. So it's still a good down for the defense, but not a great down for the defense. Um, we, they, we, they have us down for two sacks. There's one that there's, there, it should have been three. There's a play we're trying to get changed that, the quarterback ran them. We tackled them, and they thought it was a run, but it was a pass. Again, just in terms of our disruption, um, eight tackle for loss, and, and and the amount of sacks and, and hits we had on the quarterback. That's not that's not our standard. We know that there's more we can do there. Coach, on the text machine a lot, we got asked a lot about uh, Lingard and the status or any update on him. What's going on with him right now with this team? He got banged up in practice on Wednesday, um, and and it just forced him to miss the game this weekend. By all accounts, he should be good to go for for this week for Central Michigan. It was it was just a shame. We really wanted to see him play this Saturday, but you know, it's just things happen in practice. So hopefully, he'll be good to go um, coming back this week. I want to ask you about a, a recruiting question. Uh, I was out at the uh, University and Western game. I can't get in trouble for saying where I was, but University and Western game uh, the other day. Are you allowed to go? What's the rule for the head coach as far as going to high school games on the weekends? Any the head coach or any assistant coach can visit a school one time in the months of September, October, November. That's called the evaluation period. Uh, you can't have any contact with the kids when you're out there, but you can just go and I think almost our entire staff was out last Friday night watching games all over uh, Dayton, Broward County. The same thing will happen this Friday night coming up. We're again really trying to make a point of, of really trying to cover as many plays as we can in, in, in South Florida. And and that in times, can and, and the head coach has the ability to to get out there and, and, and watch a game, for example, as well. So so how do you handpick when, when you decide? Because if you show up, then it's a big damn deal. So <laughs> so how's that work? Because I was out there with a couple of your assistant coaches bugging the hell out of them. They'll never want to see me again. When, when do you decide to go? Well, you have to balance that. Obviously, you've you got a team and you've got a game. You know what right. I mean? So, so, and, and, and you have a lot of places that you want to be, right? Because obviously you, you would you'd love to see all of your recruits or all of your commits play. So that's all kind of the balancing aspect. You have to sort of balance it amongst your schedule, you know, what you feel your obligation is to the team that's in the hotel uh, that night. Location of game, is there a game that you can get to, you know what I mean, and, and, and you know, maybe make it back in the hotel. So those are all the sort of the, the, the balls that are in the air at one time. All right, so you stirred it up pretty good nationally last week. That just kind of led me into the bigger question, uh, talking about with Josie, I believe on, uh, on Hurricane Hotline, you're talking about verbal commitments. If you've committed to Miami, you shouldn't take trips. Can you just talk more about that? I mean, it's, everybody's been talking about it. And it's become kind of a, a big story. I think it was as as you'd be amazed to know that it was a little bit. The, the, some some of the details weren't weren't colored in all the way. Simply, what we're saying is, okay, number one, we have to create value in what it means to be committed to to the University of Miami. It, it can't it can't be something that 
you know, and again, if you just go back to sales, right, if you come into the store and someone holds the merchandise, right, there should be a value in holding the merchandise and that it's harder to put it back down, right? And if you don't create that value, and, if, and, and I've mentioned this in terms of the football team, if, if we don't create value, what it means to play for the Miami Hurricanes, that's not going to come from the outside. That's not going to come from the national media. That has to come from our locker room. Well, the same thing has to be true of the value of what it means to be committed to play from the University of Miami. We have to create that value from the inside. We have to make it mean something. So again, where it all begins is, is we're, we're, you know, we, we've, we have a little bit of a different protocol of, of what it takes to, to become a commit, um, a little bit different than what it was in the past. But then once you are committed, then there are a series of guidelines of things that we think you should follow. Now, look, if a, a, we, you can't stop someone from taking a visit. The, right. we're, we're never saying you can't take a visit. But what we're simply saying is, is that if someone takes a visit, we have to have the ability then to go look at other recruits at that position because we have been left at the altar in the past, right? Yes. You know, we, we, we've had guys that have said, hey, <laughs> I'm, I'm only going, I just want to see. And that's fine. I mean, we're, we're not sitting there saying, you know, well, you know, well forget it, you're, you're dropped. But what we're saying is we have to protect the University of Miami. That is our job. That's what this program is all about. That's bigger than me and the players and the recruits. It's about the hurricane football. And if a young man says, look, I just want to go take a look at this place, that's totally fine. But we may have to bring in another guy at your position to look for you because just in case, you know, and, and, and we've told guys, you know, it's hard to it's hard to be engaged, you know, and, and tell your fiance, look, I just want to go out on a few more dates. Okay, that's totally fine. You can do that. But we're probably gonna have to change a little bit of what it means to be engaged. And and, and, and that's okay. So it's not this is not anything where we're, we're you know, we're holding a fine line or we're, yeah. we're dropping guys or anything like that. This is simply look, this is University of Miami, right? We have to create value. It has to mean something, and it's our responsibility as a coaching staff to to make sure we protect the program. That's and that's and that's not always happened in the past. You know, in the big picture thing, we got a lot of kids in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach, and I'm guessing all over the state going to two and three high schools now in four years. I I just don't know how all of a sudden you're not going to get it with all these people in everybody's ear and everybody worried about their star and who's watching. Man, we are at a different time, Coach. We are at a different time for. For all this time, I mean, and the Dolphins got a guy in his second year that's asking to be traded right now. I mean, who's second year, second year in the league, not not six or seven. So we're we're just we're, we're at a little different time, aren't we? A little bit, and things well, and have changed a little bit. But you know, that's what you're you're 100 correct. But you know, when we have a great conversation about this, the staff that 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 goes into your recruiting profile as well. You know, is that is that the you know, we have we have guys in our program, so you're always trying to self-evaluate, you know, okay, you know, how is this guy's recruiting process? What have they been like when they've been on campus to try to, you know, predict future recruits and how they will and when you start looking at guys of who busts, you know, what are the guys that don't make it? What are the guys that what are the guys that do make it? Who are the guys that really for whatever reason seem to succeed at the next level? And there's no hundred percent sure formula. Right. If there was, we would all follow it. And, but but there's no doubt that there is a correlation between drama and success rate in college. And, 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 and that, that would make sense, right? And the reason is is because simply, you know, college football is hard. you got to work really, really hard, and you're going to face some adversity. You're going to be – a lot of times you're going to be behind somebody else that's really good at your position when you get there, right? You're, you're, you're yep. going to be the young guy. And, you know, and if, and if you've been a person that's just been, you know, very self-centered and, 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 <laughs> and drama has been your thing, it's right. going to be – it doesn't mean it doesn't always happen, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's going to be harder now. And, and now with the allure of the transfer portal and things like that um, – that's that's what you see, you know. So um, that's all a part of it. Like I said, there's no science, there's no sure science to it. Yeah. Um, but as you're trying to learn more about who these guys are, that's that's part of the evaluation. Well, you got everybody talking, Coach. You got everybody talking about it. I will tell you. So uh, anyway, thank you so much for for being with us. We really appreciate it this morning. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. As always. 
Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, Hollywood, Biff. They get you going weekday mornings from 6 to 10 right here on 560 The Joe. You can download their podcast by getting it wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free or download the radio.com app or you can go to our trusty website, wqam.com. Up next, Keeping It Miami Monday with Dan Levitard talking Dolphins history. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. I am Dan Day, and you are listening to one of my bands. They're on my Mount Rushmore of bands. They are the coat hangers on this Miami Monday. And no, they're not from Miami, but they are going to be playing here at Gramps in Wynwood Wednesday night. So you know where I will be this coming hump day when the sun goes down. Right after I get off the radio, in fact. I'm racing out there. If you want to join, we'll have a beer. We'll rock out to the coat hangers at Gramps in Wynwood this coming Wednesday. Speaking of Mount Rushmore's, you know where you need to be. You need to be listening to the Dan Levitard Show weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe. Earlier today, those guys talking about Dolphins history. Jets-Browns tonight. Is it Monday Night Football or the Super Bowl? And the funniest things that happened over the sports weekend. Guillermo, put it on the poll, please. Uh, The 20.5 point spread the Dolphins are taking into Dallas next week. Is that going to climb or is it going to become less before Sunday? The Dolphins are 20 and a half point dogs at Dallas. Last week, they started as like a 14 and a half point dog against the Patriots and then it shot up to 18. You are watching (laughs) historic awful from the Dolphins and it doesn't get any easier. So is that point spread, put it on the poll, is that point spread going to go up or go down? And also, Give me a stat of the day because Mike Ryan and Stugatz are playing their Super Bowl tonight. Start of the day, start of the day, it is the start of the day. Start of the day, start of the day, it is the start of the day. Start of the day, start of the day, it is the start of the day. Start of the day, start of the day, it is the start of the day. The Jets and the Browns have been bad for so long that tonight, even though they've played a lot over the years, tonight they will play against each other on Monday Night Football for the first time since the very first time football was televised on Monday night. So it happened that one time, that one time, I don't know when Monday Night Football was invented, but it was a long time ago, was it not? 50 years in the making. So Browns, uh, Trevor Simeon and the Browns tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, Stugatz has a brutal schedule the rest of the way. He's mad at Sam Darnold for getting uh, mono. He's been walking around here today saying, mono, please. I could play through mono. I mean, seriously, Dan. You know what? I did play through mono. I had mono in the summer of, I think, 88 or maybe 89. And I went out every single 
night, okay? And then the mono, it was a really bad case of mono. I got it towards the end of the summer. Mono could sometimes stay with you for five to six months. Well, I still had mono on New Year's Eve, but I gutted it out, and I went out, and I had a great New Year's. Went to sleep a little bit early, wasn't feeling great, but I had a great New Year's. This is Sam's New Year's Eve. Hey, let's go. Mono should not prevent Sam Darnold from playing in our Super Bowl. He, he just go. made mono a six-month disease. Which it can I make it be a six-month endeavor, I'm telling you, sometimes can longer. It? Yeah, It's also contagious. So well, you went out and got other people six to got six. I did, but we had a great night, and they were glad I came out. And they were begging me to come out. They had seen me in a couple of weeks, New Year's. I saved it all for New Year's, and what I'm saying is, if I can go through New Year's and a summer and basically a fall with mono... Sam can summon up the energy for one game. It's our Super Bowl. I mean, Mike, happy Super Bowl Monday. This is exciting. Uh, but Darnold, please, with a mono, uh, give me a break. You've been resting for two weeks. For three hours, you can play football. Let's go. So let's get to the funniest thing of the sports weekend. Hey, people. Tell us what in the sport made you laugh hard this weekend. It is a segment we call What Made You Laugh This Weekend. <laughs> Chris, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? Kentucky's kicker, who missed a short game-winning field goal versus Florida, his name is Chance Poor. That's crazy. <laughs> that That is crazy. There was a kicker. There is a kicker named Blewett, right? He's still wandering around out there. But Chance Poor? Billy, uh, Billy, what about you? Uh, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? I'm stuck between two. It's either Hugh Freeze using a walker to get to the the handshake at the end of the game, but the, but he needs that for medical reasons. I know, so I don't but know if still, I can laugh at that. You can uh, because he started it. Okay, he good, started good. it by then coaching this game from the hospital bed last week, as if Liberty football was that important. Well, he's getting better. He's walking now. Yeah, each week it's gotten a little bit better. There was hospital bed, dentist chair, then the platform that they built in an office chair. Maybe fourth week, it's like a segue. I was going to ask, is there something stopping him from using one of those little scooters? Like a a (laughs) grocery store cart (laughs) motorized. Nothing stops Hugh Freeze, Billy. What's the other thing, though? That uh, Well, the other was Virginia fans storming the field after being unranked FSU. But that's just because I was not sure if I could laugh at the Walker situation. (laughs) I don't understand why people rip fans for doing that. These are college kids. Why are they not any big win? Storm the field if you want. Why? Like... I love the people that are just, I have to sit back. Nope, that's not a big enough win for you to storm. Like, let them storm the field. They're kids. Are you shocked that Billy had a backup plan for funniest thing for the sports weekend? <laughs> or that he soaks it in fear because he was afraid that he was going to get in trouble for making fun of Hugh Freeze's walker? Chris, they were the ranked team. They beat FSU. It was terrible. What, what do we care? Who cares? They're kids. They're all drunk. Let them have fun. How does this happen, by the way? Like, I've been to lots of sporting events, and never has there been a situation where security's like, yeah, go on the field. Like, I've always wanted to storm the field of the court or something, and security always has that locked down to make sure no one gets on there. How do people get on the field? They storm the field. They overrun security. I actually stormed the court as, like, a 28-year-old a few seasons ago. Whenever it was, when did we beat Duke? Miami Hurricanes basketball beat Duke. I'm at the game with, like, a bunch of another 30-year-old. And then everyone just starts going. I'm like, let's go, man. Let's just go out there. And I got out there, and it was, like, very claustrophobic. I'm like, what am I doing out here? I'm almost 30. I'm really surprised that Billy has always wanted to storm the field. Yeah, it looks fun, but there's rules against it. Yeah, but but I imagine you, in a situation like that, would be so worried. Hey, get off those posts. Who's paying for this? Yeah, what if you get a sight? For this, but you know, citations, fines, and <laughs> rules. Uh, put it on the poll, uh, Guillermo, please. When you storm the field as a drunk college student, are you thinking about citations? <laughs> I 
you're unbelievable, man. You will sprinkle fear on everything. There that is stays nothing. on your record, Dan. All right. Good luck at a job interview, and they start doing a background check. Oh, you were cited for storming the field in 2012 when Virginia beat FSU. Good luck. Good luck getting a job, buddy. Stop thinking, man. I mean, Good luck turn getting that thing a off. job. I can see you in future job interviews. Have you ever done anything wrong in your life, son? Yeah, this one time I was Sweating, excited. pulling on my tie. God, I don't think I'm out of my when I stormed the field. I hope this only goes back five years. How do I get that expunged? Roy, Roy, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? The field at Nissan Stadium caught on fire. <laughs> no one reacted also. Like, everyone was in the stands like, ah, the field's on fire. No big deal. Someone will take care of that. It wasn't a small fire either. It seemed like a substantive fire. Mike, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? Raiders owner Mark Davis, who it's been reported on, has, you know, he's frugal, perhaps. He was photographed sitting coach on an Allegiant airline. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that really is amazing. Uh, put that on the poll as well, Guillermo, at Levitard Show. Are you surprised that the owner of the Raiders travels coach? Uh, Stugatz, uh, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? Trevor Lawrence digging for gold on the Clemson sideline for not... A couple of seconds for what seemed like an eternity. It turned out to be about 10 seconds and ABC would not take the camera off. But it's tough when you can't get that booger and you have to keep going back. And that's what Trevor Lawrence He was trying to do the casual thing where he goes for the casual. And then it just went straight in. Like it's an itch. But no, it just... They were like, they left the camera on him so long. Like, what are they doing there? (laughs) Um, That is the face. Uh, He is the face of uh, college football because of Clemson and because he looks like sunshine from Remember the Titans. That's amazing. The way... It, it should not be lost on people that Trevor Lawrence is doing this and looks this way. He's a surfer. Dude. He looks like uh, he's off straight off of a California surfboard. That face has a booger on it. Yeah, that's true. Thank you, Stu you're, you're welcome. You're a good messenger on that yep. because uh, that never happens to you. So does Clooney. Uh, all things related to Dolphins Patriots is where I am going. Uh, the Dolphins. Uh, Any of it? <laughs> minus 92 point differential after two games. Can you guys do me a favor? Mike, would you do me a favor, please, and look at last year's uh, standings and tell me how many teams had a negative 92 point differential for the entire season, for the entire year? Because I think what we're watching now uh, is something – that in modern times has no precedent. It's not the Cleveland Browns winning one game in two years. It's worse than that, what's happening with the Dolphins, where they're not any kind of competitive and they don't look like they belong on a professional football field. By the way, the Patriots are plus 73 through two games. Uh, They were plus 111 for the entire season last year. Yeah, they're going to probably be pretty good uh, this year because that defense, have you seen? Listen to this. Ready? Yep. 22 drives this season for the Patriots. Against them, 22 drives. The Patriots' defense has been on the field for 22 drives. Yeah. Uh, five of them have ended in interceptions, two of which were pick sixes yesterday. So five of the 22 drives are interceptions. Nine three and outs. So that leaves you eight drives. One of those eight ended in points. It was a field goal by Ben Roethlisberger's team. This is actually pretty funny. So last year, the Arizona Cardinals had a minus 200-point differential. They had the top pick. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Second place was the Raiders at minus 177. The only other teams that were under a, uh, a that were negative 100 points point differential or worse all reside in the AFC East, except for the Patriots, who are getting fat off of it at plus 111. 
I ask this question seriously. Do I make it even? Do I make the AFC East more in doubt? Or not more in doubt. Anything would be more in doubt. Would you be willing to pick another team to win the AFC East other than the Patriots if I made that team trade its either offensive or defensive unit for the Patriots' offensive or defensive unit, where the Patriots wouldn't have the best defense and offense in the division. They'd only get one of them, and you'd be able to give one of them to one of these other teams because I still think it looks the same somehow. But you can get the you're saying you can get the Patriots offense, right? I still get Belichick. You get Patriots offense. Well, you get him on defense. You get him on defense too, though. You get to play. You get to play Brady with Belichick if you want with with the Belichick defense. I'm trying to think Brady with the Jets and the Jets offense with Belichick in New England. But I'm not saying Brady. I'm saying the whole offense. No, I get it. You get everybody. Well, Brady is the whole offense, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Antonio Brown, all those guys. I'm trying to think if the outcome would be any different. It would. Dan Lebitard is so Miami, and you can let me know how you are so Miami. Just go to my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. Drop me a line with the hashtag Miami Monday. If I like it, I'll read it out on the air. Speaking of airing it out, Stephen A. Smith, he is on from one to three weekdays. Daily rants earlier today. He aimed one at Tim Tebow. We'll hear that next on the Best of the Joe Show. It's the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, and you are listening to music from the Coat Hangers on this Miami Monday. They're going to be performing at Gramps in Wynwood on Wednesday. Won't you join me for the fun? It's Riot Girl. It's punk rock. Maybe even a piece of pizza. Mmm, that's always a good time right there, too. So, Gramps, Wynwood, Wednesday, Miami Monday, so much good stuff going on. You know what else I like besides the coat hangers? Stephen A. Smith. Why? Because he gets fired up. He spits out some rants. And earlier today, he let us know Tim Tebow is not black, but that's okay. Tim Tebow, Hosman Trophy, winner, two-time national champion, now a college football analyst extraordinaire for ESPN. He came on first take, and he comes on at first take every Friday, every Friday, I'm sorry, during the uh, college football season. And he made a lot of head waves during um, his appearance on first take Friday because Tim Tebow is not a supporter or an advocate of college athletes being paid. If you recall, the state of California made news the other day, uh, their Senate by a vote of 39 to nothing, their state assembly by a vote of 73 to nothing voted in favor for a uh, pay for play uh, uh, legislation that would allow collegiate athletes to make money off of their likeness or uh, receive endorsement deals, things of that nature. And other states in the United States of America are expected to follow not all, but some nevertheless, People like myself, Max Kellerman, others are clearly in support of that, uh, along with a bevy of African-American uh, former athletes, NFL analysts, pundits, things of that nature, collegiate, uh, you know, f- you know, folks that used to play collegiately, whether it be basketball or football, which is predictable. Well, Tim Tebow was not one of those people. Tim Tebow has absolutely no problem with individuals being supported or receiving some kind of support. Uh, but he didn't want to go as far as quote unquote paying the players, uh, because he is an individual that is in favor of 
holding on to that amateurish tag, that that tag of amateurism. Tim Tebow used an analogy talking about he was in college. Uh, he was a star in college. He was ultimately winning national championships, competing for national championships, winning a Heisman Trophy. At one point in time, his jersey was the number one selling jersey in the nation, and he never received a dime of it. School administrators did, the NCAA did, BCS, whomever you want to point the finger at. And he had no problem with it, he said. And as a result of that position, he was raked through the coals all weekend long. Millions upon millions of people chimed in going off about Tim Tebow. And I want to sit up here and say this. Y'all need to stop. Y'all need to stop right now. I don't agree with Tim Tebow's position per se. As an African-American, I have a different perspective. But that does not mean that I don't respect his position. He doesn't have a problem with amateurism. He's in love with the authenticity associated with amateurism. He pointed out how you have stadiums that seat over a hundred thousand and it's filled to capacity because people love what he alludes to being the purity and the sanctity of a sport. If you disagree with that, that's okay. But to turn around and castigate this man and to bring race into the equation as if he's some no good, you know what? Shame on y'all. Now, Tim Tebow ain't the type of person that'll tell you to go to hell. I am. Because that's ridiculous. And by the way, know your background, know his background before you talk about it. People that talk about him coming from a privileged position. Do your research on Tim Tebow's background. Privileged is not what I would describe his background to be. You don't know what you're talking about when it comes to him. If you want to disagree with his position, whatever happened to saying why and leaving it at that. See, that's the problem that we're living in in today's day and age. It's not enough to disagree with somebody. You have to question their agenda and you have to excoriate them and castigate them and rake them through the coals just because their position is different than yours. But we call ourselves in the mosaic. We brag about this being the United States of America and freedom of speech. But somebody disagrees and you can't just make an argument. Explaining why your point would be disagree, would disagree with theirs. Instead, you have to castigate this man. It's unnecessary and it's uncalled for. I want to reemphasize. I don't dis, I don't agree with Tim Tebow's position totally, but he made a profoundly strong argument on his own behalf, not to mention the fact that I thought it came from the right place. I just disagree with him because one of the things, and I want my white producers, to look at me when I'm saying this, because as black folks, as minorities in this country, we need to address something that's very, very important. I think I've been working with Jonathan Winthrop for a long time. I've gotten to know my man, JC, for many years and other producers here and what have you. And folks that work within this country, you got some black folks here, you got some white folks here. I don't believe that you're a bad person because you disagree with me. Oh, by the way, let me take it a step further. I would totally understand if they don't. I would totally understand if they can't relate to my black experience. You know why? Because they're not black. This notion that everybody has to understand where we come from without being us, to me, is ill-informed. I said the same thing to y'all about the Kaepernick situation. 
I said the same thing to y'all about Jerry Jones when he was taking a position on the knee and all of this other stuff and everybody was going up. I said, excuse me, I don't expect a white billionaire to have the same sensitivities, culturally or otherwise, than impoverished people from the minority community. That's not them. It's not who they are. Our objective should be identifying what our goals, what our agenda is, and going about the business of convincing them that it's in the best interest of their agendas to facilitate progress when it comes to us. Period. I don't expect the white billionaire to have the same experiences, culturally or otherwise, and thereby the same sensitivities, culturally or otherwise, as blacks, or other minorities from impoverished backgrounds, period. At some point in time, we got to grow up. And Tim Tebow is the latest example because you know something? He doesn't come from a privileged background. Do your homework on him. His his position may be different than yours, but he is qualified to speak on those issues. He really, really is. The man played collegiate football on an elite level. He could have easily positioned himself to profit off of it and elected not to. Now, you can sit up there and say he's white. He wasn't as poor as a lot of blacks and other minorities that he played college football with. So he could afford to take that position. And that may be true, but it doesn't make him a scourge of the earth. I'm 51 years old. I've been around for a little bit. I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm, a, I, I'm much nicer than most of you realize, but I don't like too many people. I damn sure don't trust most. I just live my life and be on my way. There are very, very few people whose character I think most people can stand on a platform and rave about. Tim Tebow is one of those people. I'll never deviate from my position. He couldn't throw the damn football, didn't belong to be a quarterback in the NFL, period. That's about the only thing I can say about him. One of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life, whose soul and conscience is in the right place. Y'all can disagree until the cows come home, and that is your right. I disagree with him. But he didn't deserve to have his character stained and attacked all weekend long the way some people elected to do. Just because he had a position that may have been different than yours. And those who did that to him should be ashamed of their damn selves. You really, really should. He truly deserved better than that. He really did. Stephen A. Smith and Tim Tebow always seem to be around controversy, and one guy that is a walking, or better yet, running controversy is O.J. Simpson. But on this day in 1973, he rushed for a then-NFL record 250 yards in a game, making himself and the Buffalo Bills very proud. O.J. Simpson, though, not proud of our Dolphins. Here's recently what he had to say about the team and the organization. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. It's official. The Miami Dolphins has to give their season ticket holders a rebate. I'm just saying, take care. Thanks, OJ. With that being said, here's some quote-unquote highlights, or lowlights, however you want to look at them, from yesterday's Dolphins-Pats game. Brady takes the snap, turns, gives to Michelle, up the middle, and die. Touchdown, Patriots! Brady takes the snap and retreats. He looks left. He fires the back shoulder. Brown! Yeah. Touchdown, Patriots! Inside the near left pylon. Welcome to New England, kid. What a throw by the quarterback to the back shoulder. 
Out of the eye. Brady's going to sneak it. He's going to dive straight ahead. It's a touchdown, Patriots. Fitzpatrick on third and two, rolling right, and he throws the traffic. Intercepted. Picked off by Gilmore, who is gone. Right down the middle, 25-20. Goodbye to the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. Shotgun snap to Fitzpatrick, dropping back on first and ten. He throws across the middle, catch by Balazs. No, he fumbled it into the hands of Collins, who runs down the right sideline. One man to beat a lineman. He runs to the ten. He beats him to the pylon. Touchdown, Patriots. You know, Ryan's still the starter. You know, we'll uh, we'll evaluate things over the course of the week, and you know, as of right now, Ryan's still the starter. And offensively, we just, you know, we, we didn't get anything going. We turned the ball over. Uh, we got to do a better job offensively and really collectively as a team. Oh. You heard Coach Flores talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick still being the starter of the Dolphins, kind of tying it all together. Here is what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to say about yesterday's game and being embarrassed. We've got to improve. We've got to get better. You know, there's there's not going to be anybody in this league that's going to feel sorry for us. So we've got to, you know, continue to try to get better every day with ourselves and collectively as a team. And, you know, hopefully, again, the results are going to start showing up on Sunday. Yeah, not great. It's pretty quiet in there. Not 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 great. You know, it's never never fun to be embarrassed, especially two weeks in a row at home. All right, let's put that behind us. Let's look at the positive. The U got their first win of the season, and what a win. 63-0 over Bethune-Cookman this past weekend. Here are some highlights from that game. Williams under center. Going to give it to Dallas. Trying to pop it outside. He does. He's at the 40. He's at the 35 near sideline to the 20. He might go 15, 10, 5. DJ Dallas goes all the way for a hurricane touchdown. Shotgun snap. Pedals back to throw. Looking, looking. Throws. End zone. Caught! For a touchdown by Osborne. Five yards deep. K.J. Osborne has it on a 22-yard touchdown strike from Jaron Williams. Dallas to the left shoulder of Williams. Bubble screen for Harley. Gets a block from Osborne. Outside the numbers at the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Harley is into the end zone. Touchdown, Miami. Mike Harley has his first career touchdown for the University of Miami. Martell, the motion man, toward the ball. Perry takes, gives Jimmy Murphy to the right side. Murphy <laughs> into the end zone. Touchdown, Miami. And the entire team is going to celebrate for Jimmy Murphy, who scores his first touchdown as a hurricane. He does one somersault. He does two somersaults. Flags come flying. It is 62 to nothing. All right, now I'm starting to feel good. Let's hear from the quarterback of the U on the win and how great it was. That's a huge win. Um, uh, a big, big, a big confidence booster for the team. Man, we loved it. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy Murphy, he, he's a guy who he goes hard no matter what, and he, he's worked his butt off. And just to see him get that, that opportunity to score his touchdown, it, we all was happy for him. So you could just see that. Jaron Williams looking good. The U also looking good. They're going to be back in action against Central Michigan this weekend. Four o'clock is the kickoff. Of course, you can listen to the pregame, the postgame, the whole game right here at 560, the Joe WQAM. DJ Dallas, he had a big game this past weekend, also for the Canes. Here's what he had to say about that. Like I said, it's never about me, but I still have a lot of improvement that I need to make. And and once once I do make that improvement, I feel like our, our offense will, will uh, kind of move better. Because if you have an efficient running game, it makes the passing game better. 
you have a efficient passing game, it makes the run game easier. So. DJ Dallas, just one of the men on the U. Jaron Williams, also one of the men. I want to hear from him again. He's talking about feeling a little more comfortable. And when Jaron Williams is feeling comfortable, I'm feeling comfortable too because that means the U has a better chance at beating you. I'm starting to learn more and more about the offense. You know, at first it was kind of vanilla, just kind of understanding um, things. But Coach, you know, he's done a really great job of, you know, breaking it down for me and, and helping me know where my eyes need to be and the checks and just making it real, um, you know, very, very good understanding for me. So, um, you know, I really just give the credit to him. Um, you know, in practice, he's on me hard, really hard, but it's paying off. You know, it, it, I understand now, like, why he's on me so hard because when it comes game time, you know, it's, it's easy. So. Very ready for this coming weekend against Central Michigan. Of course, once again, you can listen to the game, the pregame, the postgame, right here on this radio station. Going to interject a little baseball real quick. Happy birthday to Hall of Famers Robin Yunt. He is 64. Oral Hershiser, the Bulldog, 61. Tim Rock Reigns, 60 years old. When it comes to being in the Hall of Fame of comedy, two funny ladies have a birthday today. Molly Shannon, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. 55 years old, and Amy Poehler, I love Parks and Recreation, 48 years young. That'll about do it for a Miami Monday. Remember Coat Hangers this Wednesday, Gramson Winwood. That's going to be some good music in the 305. Of course, you can go to my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio, hashtag Miami Monday. Tell me how you are so Miami, and I'll let you know if I like it or not, and if I agree. Other than that, download the podcast. All you have to do, wherever you get podcasts for absolutely free, go there, get the radio.com app, or go to wqam.com. Hope you have a great Monday. Hope the rest of your week is super smooth. I am Dan Day, and this has been the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.